Hello, hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode 59 of the Hardly Millennial Podcast, <laughs> where we're young, dumb, and full of opinions. And even more opinions. Oh, man, guys. <gasps> so many opinions, we can't handle it. There's three fucking people here today, guys. Three fucking people again. Again. You get three of us. All right, guys, welcome today. Um, so to get started, I actually thought we would just kind of pick up where we left off yesterday because after the after we finished the podcast, Justin, you had mentioned that you actually wanted to talk about specifically the word love. Oh, yeah. And what good that memory. means to people. So I figured we could start from there and see, see where th- this journey takes us today. Interesting. Sure. Justin, describe love. Well... I would first like to say that I do believe that the word love matters. It's a very powerful word. Um, I think that the word love somehow insinuates that um, there's a cause, right? That two people share that's bigger than just the one of them. Um, But I do think that when it comes to love, you truly, and I, I hate to use cliches, I really hate it, but... You truly need to love yourself before you can love somebody else. And it's not that you're not capable of loving someone else. <laughs> I just don't think you're doing yourself any favors or the other person. And one way I like to put that is that you need to have a, be in a relationship with yourself. You can't leave that up to somebody else to do for you. And a lot of the time, that's what we're looking for. We're looking for another person to be in a relationship with us so we don't have to be in a relationship with ourselves, And that's a really important thing to have. Um, so I think we should kind of open up there and then start on the way that we use the word love because those are actually two different, um, two different conversations along the same kind of line. So, well, let me, let me ask you this first. So you, and this is just me kind of playing devil's advocate here. Yes. So you had mentioned that, we should learn to love ourselves before we expect to bring somebody else into our life, correct? And love us. And love right, us. Right. Okay. So let's say that you have an individual who really struggles with that, right? They really mm-hmm. struggle to love themselves. They really struggle to find things that make them truly happy. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a constant battle for them. And let's say maybe they believe in that subject, but they also do want to find somebody and settle down one day and have kids and have a family and all of that. But so is there a point in their life where maybe they should cut their losses and go out and try to find somebody before that, before maybe the time that they truly do love themselves, just because at, at some point you, you reach a certain age, if they're, you know, in their you know mid to late thirties, and they're still working on this loving themselves concept, but they still want to find somebody. At that point, should they not cut their losses, or do you think they should just never find somebody until they're truly happy with themselves? Well, I think it's all well and good to try to find companionship on your journey to loving yourself, um, but I don't think that a truly, truly successful relationship can blossom out of it unless that is accomplished first. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do believe it's possible for someone to help you learn to learn to love yourself, but really until you've decided to make a conscious effort, it's not going to happen. 
And a lot of the times that happens in giving up on finding another person, accepting that there's a possibility you could be alone for the rest of your life and then moving on mm -hmm. and just living your life as somebody who may be single for the rest of their life. A healthy mind in general is going to learn how to be happy in their situation. It's kind of like a survival tactic. Mm -hmm. Um, an unhealthy mind, I mean, we see them all the time. People who just try to patch up their lives with relationships. It never works. It feels good. It's a Band-Aid, and it's definitely a coping mechanism, and we all need to cope every once in a while. I had a very rough morning, and I want to eat. Do I need to eat? <laughs> I do not need to eat. Am I going to eat? You betcha. <laughs> it's not going to fix my morning, but it's going to make me feel better this morning. Right. So you can use people as a coping mechanism. To me, that's still using people. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's mutual use. And that's, if that's your thing, that's your thing. Well, isn't that what relationships are, though? You, I mean, you both have to benefit something from the relationship, right? Right. But one plus one, because that's how many people are in a relationship, should equal two. Right. Okay, one person, if they bring in a whole bunch of baggage that just brings everything down and the other person has a little bit more enrichment in their lives. So one's at a negative five, one's at a positive two. It's not fair to the other person to then combine the two who was at a, you know, a positive two and bring them down to a negative two. Mm. It just it's not right. You have to contribute equal amount. So. I can't say from experience that I've always loved myself, but I can truly say that nothing interpersonal that's very healthy has ever come about it until I did learn how to love myself. Okay. So how do you feel about this, Matthew? Well, so I agree with everything you're saying very much so, um, particularly when it comes to intimate love when it comes to loving like a significant other, like a, a relationship. Right. Um, I totally agree with it in that. But it's interesting because yesterday me and you were discussing a lot how we differ on how we think that words matter. And right. I was taking the opinion of words really do matter and you not so much. And in this case, it's actually a little bit flip-flopped. I grossly overuse the word love. Um, I say it way too much. But I also am a really firm believer that you can have the same level of love that you have for an intimate relationship with a person who you plan to never have sex with. So I think you can love people on an intimate level and fully know that you'll never be intimate with them. Does that, does that make sense? So just two different kinds of intimate. Yeah. So I think you can have a friend mm -hmm. who is your friend and who you really enjoy and who's your best friend. But then I think you can also have a friend who you love. You you actually fall in love with that person. But it's nothing sexual. I don't think that sex equals love in any way. I think sex is just a benefit that comes out of loving one particular person in your life. Right. Well, that's two different kinds of love. And there's also many different kinds of sex, I think, too. True. Absolutely. Absolutely. But to, to kind of answer the original question here, I, I very much agree with the whole concept that you have to be at your best before you can give to anyone else, um, especially in a relationship that is that is intimate. That's your partner. Yeah. I mean, I think when it comes to 
finding like a significant other, you know, somebody you do have sex with and somebody mm-hmm. who you do decide to like start a life with. I think there are too many people who try to find somebody like that because they think that's what's going to fill the void and make them happy. And that's how you get those shitty relationships. Yeah. That's destined to fail. Whereas, yeah. Whereas when you're trying to find somebody or if you do find somebody, that person should be a bonus in your life, you know, but not a necessity. So everything adds together, right? Right. Exactly. Justin definitely has that philosophy. You taught me that philosophy actually. So Uh, when you wait for Disneyland, you don't have to be a perfect person, though, right. to look for love. You just have to be okay with yourself and appreciate yourself. So, I mean, I can't, I'd be lying, especially on a day like today, to say that my boyfriend does not struggle mm-hmm. with self-love. That, that'd that be a lie. My boyfriend does suffer with, with uh, from issues in that arena. But the arena in which we met was another past podcast. It was a hobby. And that is a place where he feels that he can contribute a lot. Mm -hmm. That is a place where he feels really strong and confident. And I think he really does love that part of himself. And that's really what drew us together was that really confident part of himself. And if you're really able to live in that space really focus in on there, right? You can really build a self-love. You don't necessarily tackle your demons. Those things might show up later. But if you can really find a place in your life that you love being in, so that hobby space, and mm-hmm. you kind of neglect the other space, you can start a relationship in that very positive, self-loving space. You don't have to be perfect to find someone to be with you forever. Right. Okay, you just have to find a place where you're capable of Mm self-love. That's it. Hmm. So I think he found his place. And I think now we're able to visit those dark places that still exist, but we're rooted in a place where both of us at least have found somewhere where we have Mm self-love. So, Adam, what is a place where you feel very confident? You can speak on it. You can act on it something that you just feel very confident in that arena? I mean, I I guess maybe film. Sure. You know, you There's know. a lot of, you feel confident in a lot of different things. Yeah. You feel confident in your physical appearance. Oh, well, yeah, that's true. Okay. I just try not to <laughs> sound too cocky, but yeah. Well, I'm calling you <laughs> out. That was beautiful. I'm calling you the fuck out on that. Adam and I share a bathroom. Okay. I'm jealous. <laughs> I would sacrifice a lot of things to be able to look the way Adam looks with no clothes on. And when he walks through my room every morning, I'm happy for him for it. And I hate him for it. So in an arena where people were evaluated based on the way that they look, right, Mm -hmm. Adam would thrive. He has a lot of self-love when it comes to the way that he physically looks. He doesn't always feel that way about the way that he feels. True. His, not maybe not the actual physical health or the emotional health. We all go through ups and downs with those. But we'll say the way that he looks, right? Mm -hmm. His attractiveness. Right. So when he's really feeling himself, really having a good day, and he knows, he just knows he's looking good. When he meets a woman that day, and she is also in that space. Right. 
Okay. Oh, wow. That just clicked for me in my yeah, head right it did, now. It did right for me as too. you said those words, <laughs> your point you're about to say just clicked in my head. Okay. Ahead, and they're both living yeah. in that space at that moment. That mm-hmm. is two people who at that moment really love themselves and who are yeah. going to meet. Now, sure, at this point, it is skin deep, but the effects of this skin deep trait are really affecting how they feel inside. Every time those two people see each other, they're not going to think about their demons. They're going to think about the good space that they met each other in. They're going to remind themselves of the good space that they met each other in, and they are going to remind themselves how important it is to love themselves. It's not going to be the thought process that goes through your head, but it is going to be the process that your subconscious is going through. Mm. So take the film, for example, okay? The film thing. You're in film class, you know your shit. Everyone in that class maybe knows their shit, but you kind of know your shit a little bit more. And there is a girl, maybe a four and a half, five, maybe a six. I don't know how many sixes there are in film school. That was a joke. That is a crack. Don't come hating me for that. Okay? So the, now there, these are two people who are in the space of self-love. Wow, I'm smart. Wow, I know this. Wow, I'm glad I studied this. Wow, I'm glad that I went through a, a YouTube um, rabbit hole about this. Mm-hmm. And now you and this person have a lot in common and you have a lot to contribute. Mm-hmm. Okay? In that time, in that place, you are in a space of self-love. You're going to always associate each other with that. And that is when you have that magic of she doesn't look like a four anymore. Right. Okay? She makes you love yourself. You you know, you make her love herself because you guys met in this space. Mm-hmm. And then you start to really fall for each other in that way. I'm not saying this has ever happened or may right, happen. Right, right. I'm just saying that that's how it can happen. So so, so really, essentially what you're saying is first impressions are important. And self-love gives the best first impression. And it's interesting you bring that up because I – so I went th- – for those out there, I went through a breakup back in October – and one of the people I confided in was obviously my mother, you know, and my, both my parents in general. And one thing they were telling me about, like, when they met, and they kind of were talking about what you just said, you know, where the, I do believe there are people out there who may be, you know, meant for each other or would do well with each other, but they just meet at the wrong times, right? Right. And one thing my mom had said about, or that my dad said about uh, my mom and him, were the reason why they even happened in the first place is because they met at a point in their life where they were both at the same point in their life. You know, they were, they were both struggling with the same things. They both had similar experiences and they were both able to grow with each other because they were in that space together. I I have a, I have a quick question for both of you guys on this Uh because so there's a lot of good points being made here. And with all, with all these points that we've gathered, do you guys think that you can force it? Do you think you can force love or you have to find it naturally? Like, do you think you can put yourself in, if you're if you're confident in film, can mm-hmm. you put yourself on a set every single day and force love to happen? Or does it have to be organic? Well, I think in regards to like that particular analogy, it just depends on the passion. If you truly love somebody and you truly have a passion for that somebody, it's not going to feel like work, right? 
So we've we've you and I have talked about film sets before, and I've said that people who usually work on uh, film for a living, they're working six days a week, and in those six days, they're working twelve to fourteen to sometimes twenty hours a day, but they're constantly doing it every single day. Nobody forces themselves to do that. There has to be a passion there to be able to do something like that. So that's what bothers me through the through you know just my life. I've had different people come to me when they've had issues with their own relationships and such and you know i i think sometimes i come off as an asshole when i tell people this you know especially if they're retelling the story to somebody but it it always just comes down to like if somebody's not willing to put in the effort for you you shouldn't waste your time putting in the effort for them there there has to be that mutual passion i guess my question was more can you trick love can right. you trick it to coming question. around earlier in your life than it should? Well, no. No, you well, can't, can you? No. It is, it's just, it's kind of like a force of nature almost, isn't it? Well, but the I have to disagree a little bit on that because I do think to an extent you can. And I think there's been examples of this over the years. Um you know, I'll, I'll use a couple examples. So first, I'll use my parents as an example, right? right? My, I have definitely seen my parents go through some rough shit, you know, in their life, in their marriage, you know. Mm-hmm. But they're still, you know, they're still going thirty plus years strong, you know. And now I see them at more of a place where they seem more genuinely happy with each other. Well, yeah, they so, have commitment for so, sure, right? Yeah. So I think going through those rough times created a love that maybe that we're just too young and too inexperienced to understand because we haven't been through so it. So you don't think that that amount of love started day one and held them through it? You think that they built up to that that amount of love by yes. going through obstacles? I mean, together? of course there was love there to begin but with. Not, there has to not be, but not the amount to hold you through yeah. all that. You have to build it as you go. Yeah. Well, and I think you've there are examples of that in the past where um, a perfect example of something that still is practiced a lot in the world and in some westernized countries too is arranged marriages, right? Mm-hmm. Two people are forced yeah. to be with mm-hmm. each other. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of cases of those, of those people being married, you know, 30, 40, 50 plus years. And I think maybe if they didn't even love each other, when they first met because they were basically forced to marry each other I think they are very much in love with each other now because oh, really? they've been forced to go through Yeah, I even think though it started as an obligation yeah I think it's something that we we can't understand because we've just never been through it so but... Adam says we can. you can well, build love I have a question for Adam do you think 100% of those marriages go the entire way and exist with love no but I always think that's the end result well, but it's not always the end result. Well, no, of course not always. There's going to be exceptions to any rule. Right. But... So do you think that the ones that started in a place of self-love mm-hmm. are probably the ones that are going to be successful? Well, yes, absolutely. But the question was, could you could you learn to love? Could you build love? Can, can if, you force so love? If that's not even there that's at right. all, if the self-love thing is not there, but you've, in this analogy, you've been forced into a position where you have to marry somebody and learn to love somebody who you never loved before, maybe at a place where you didn't have any self-love also, that love is possible to grow from that. So I, I, I want to hear Justin's take yeah. on it too, because... I was I was thinking like the very beginning of love when the seed is being sown mm-hmm. of love. Can you force that part? If you go well, let's start on the arranged marriage thing. Yeah. If you go your entire life very aware 
that you are going to be in an arranged marriage. That's just yes. how it works in your culture. Mm -hmm. There's already a sense of love for the person that you're going to be with. Already. Okay. You are a hoping already yeah. that you're already going to be very much in love with them because you already know that is going to happen to you. Mm -hmm. So you're also a lot more in a place where you have self-love because you are honored that you are doing it. You are taking on a tradition. You are following Helping the, your family, the rules, usually. right? And yeah. you feel great about that. You mm -hmm. think that this is the right thing to do. You're doing your part. And I think that there's an amount of self-love when it comes to that. Yeah. Somebody who maybe is overweight or not particularly attractive, I think that an arranged marriage is almost a way for them to completely surpass that. They don't have to worry about finding a mate. Their mate has already been picked for them. Yeah. All they have to do is really focus on the fact that they're doing their due diligence and they can love themselves for that. It does, to me, it does have to come back to self-love. And in that case, it's almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. Just kind of go along with it. Now, you're going to have those people that don't get any type of self-love out of that kind of arrangement. And I don't feel that those are ever truly happy marriages. Like I people think, who resent it, who, who right. fight back against it And maybe they're one. in it for their entire life. And maybe you can really learn to love the person and appreciate them for loving you even though you went into this hard-headed. Right. I get what you're saying. Okay. But I don't think it's ever going to be the kind of love that comes from two people that come from a place of self-love. Mm -hmm. And to some people, that's just fine. Any kind of love for the rest of your life is better than a divorce to some people. It's I would better. think so, right? It's better, better to than, love than not, not at all. I mean, I don't feel that way. I, I would much rather have waited 60 years and finally had that connection with someone, you know, after I've been in a state of self-love for 30 years. And I think that's an even better way. You know, you're not going to die alone at the end of the day. Um, so, so in your opinion, just about everybody with maybe a few very odd exceptions, just about everyone achieves love in the same manner, um, using the same equation with different variables, real love, Real love. Yeah, actual true love. In my opinion, yes. There is there is an algorithm to achieving love well, that if you work hard enough at, you, you, self -love. you will get there. If you work hard enough to love yourself, then you will most definitely get that. Find you. But there is something to be said about baggage that just matches, okay? Mm -hmm. If somebody wants to depend on somebody so bad to turn their brain off and not thinking about loving themselves, and somebody else hates themselves so much that they don't want to think about loving themselves and they want to love somebody else only, there is going to be some element of compatibility. Absolutely. There's, it's just going to work, and knowing it can work forever. If one person likes to shit all over the floor and the other person's hobby is cleaning up shit, that's disgusting. <laughs> They're made and for each other, sick, But it, they have a perfect chemistry. Exactly. Yeah. If someone's fulfilling their, their calling of shitting all over the floor <laughs> and they love themselves for that. Okay, then someone's going to say, look at them shitting on the floor. I want to go clean that. And I love myself for wanting to clean up their shit. Okay, yeah. this is super weird. Super I, we went metaphorical, to a weird place. guys. <laughs> We're just, yeah. I'm just saying that's how, I'm just trying to make it 
you know, clear that there is a point where compatibility, while it's not understood everywhere, it's still coming from some kind of fulfillment, some kind of self-love. Well, so do you think you can find somebody who's like 100% compatible with you in that way and not love them? Yes. You do? Yes. So then what's love? So if, if, because the way that it feels like it's being described right now is that love comes from self-love and being able to find somebody who's able to pick up the pieces that you're dropping, right? And vice versa. So you're, you're getting a, you're getting use out of the other person for lack of a better word. Well, I'm saying that two people being able to, being able to mutually use each other is a, Benefit a from each other is a better way to say it. <laughs> to two people who never particularly reached self love, mm-hmm. it is possible. But no, I I think that you can meet someone that you're compatible with, and not love them. Mm. Uh, that was your question, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, I mean, there, like I said, there, a lot of the talk that we've had so far is in regards to having you know get, getting something out of the relationship essentially right you know it has to be something that either helps both of you grow whatever it is but you're getting something from the other party involved in it yeah but my point was that as long as both people are coming from a place of self-love that will inevitably happen so two Mm -hmm. people can be very compatible but not be in a place of self-love and therefore they won't fall in love Mm. i mean this remember this is my opinion. This is not me shooting that right, down. Right, but right. I've no, thought about this yeah. a lot because I refuse to let myself get into anything really committed mm-hmm. until I thought that I had achieved this. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, I meet someone who has self-worth issues mm-hmm. um, and doesn't always love themselves. So then I have to think, well, how did this happen then? And that's how it happened. We met at a place of self-love. We came into an arena of both of us really having a strong love of animals. We were both confident there. We both loved that part of ourselves. Mm-hmm. And that's where we lived for a while in that space. Was it at first sight? What do you think about like the whole love at first sight thing? Do you think that's possible or along with your algorithm, you have to work Ooh, towards it? You know, we've actually talked about this once during a podcast and it's really hard to just answer this clearly because I don't want to contradict myself. But and I'm not trying to I'm not trying to trick you or anything. I'm truly just interested. So if you do contradict a little, yeah, yeah no, I'm no. okay with that. I'm not worried about you. I'm worried about these people listening. I, I, and they will. They'll get you. They, yeah, <laughs> you we, guys uh, are great. <laughs> I, I remember we talked about we talked about it like a month ago on yes. a marriage podcast. But, but but in in essence, do you think that it's something you have to work towards, or you can find yourself at a place where it just clicks all at once? I think that if you are in a place of self love that you can absolutely uh, fall in love at first sight. The reason I don't like saying first sight right. is because I felt the same way the first time I physically saw my boyfriend as I did when we were first texting. Okay. I, nothing changed. It so the get... sense of sight didn't change the emotion. Right. It was a sense of contact. Contact. Of so any love kind. at first contact would almost be a little bit and I better do way to believe say it. in that. And I wouldn't have believed in that until I figured out that that feeling I felt in the beginning, all the way to what I feel now, is love. Once I realized that, then I could rewind and realize that I do actually believe in love at first sight slash contact. I mean, I believe that somebody who is blind can fall in love at first contact. Yeah, I think that the sight thing is a metaphor. Love at first sight is a metaphor for love at first interaction. Yeah. 
I know that personally, I've never felt that way about a human. I've never like just all of a sudden looked at or experienced a person for the first time ever, realized they existed and fell in love with them. Yeah, I, had I feel either. that I've been in love, <laughs> truly in love before, but I do feel that it was something that had to be worked to achieve. Do you think so that maybe if, I've just never found true love? Do you think that if both of you came from a place of complete self-love first, that might have been a little bit different? Yes. And I think that's what a lot of people mean when they say, if I would have met this person at a different stage in my life, things would have been totally different. At that stage they're talking about is that amount of self-love they have for themselves. Right. Now, with the case of Adam's parents, I know them. And I believe that they love each other very, very much. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people, once you're together for that long, um, you raise children. And that's like a really great distraction. I'm not saying that's why your parents had children. I'm just saying when you have children in the house, that's kind of a goal and a project. It's a, it's a mutual, yeah, it's a mutual project that both of you are yes. in. Or for someone who doesn't have children, you know, Pets. your hobbies mm -hmm. can be those things. Yeah. So you can really fall in love with someone based on their commitment to this hobby, right? To this project. Mm -hmm. And you can really look at them and fall in love with the way that they're able to raise this thing that you love so much. Self-love actually really takes a back seat a lot of the time when you're raising children. And I think that's one of the reasons that relationships can go south. You really don't understand that you know, you're not giving yourself the attention that you need. So if you're not getting that from the other person a lot of the time, you're not feeling it anywhere. And that's why marriages can be such a struggle sometimes. You know, you get back into, you know, working together to raise children. And then the little shit grows up and says, I fucking hate both of you. You're awful people. And when you realize, you know, because they always do. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. And then when you realize that you don't have that same investment Right, because at this point you're sick of the kid, and you're, they're, they're, you know, you can't tell them that I hate you too. You right. suck. You ruined my life. You can't tell that to your child. <laughs> you ruined my body. My tits go to my belly button. You're left with your spouse. Right. And if both people have not been fo focusing really on <clears throat> self love, I feel like you lose each other there, and it really takes a while to recover from that. So I think I don't think marriages should break up due to a lack of self love, but I think. We focus on sacrifice a lot, that's important, but we don't focus on focusing on yourself and loving yourself. I have a scandalous question Ask for you guys it. that is probably gonna be kinda hard to answer Wait, on a podcast. Real quick. Are we like does that make sense? Yes, yes, it does it does make okay, sense. Okay, yeah. Cool. I just wanna make sure. I'm not a uh, I'm not licensed, I'm not a social worker, so I have to bounce it off my friends to make sure I don't sound crazy. <laughs> so I'm particularly interested in how Adam's gonna answer this question, but I wanna hear both of you. Is since we've come to this conclusion about love and all these different ideas about it, and that you can love so many different people for so many different things throughout your life mm -hmm. in different ways. Does all that culminate into you guys thinking that human beings, like mankind, is supposed to be a monogamous species, like with one partner our whole life? Ooh. Or do you think that humans, it's a social thing that we've gotten that way, but in our essence are maybe supposed to be polygamous? I and that's, I know it's a hard word to say out loud because it's very immediately naughty. 
But well, no, I think I think we're a monogamous species. You do? 100%. You think we're meant yeah. to be with one person the whole yes. time? Yes. Otherwise, be, otherwise, I wouldn't be something that we all strive for. It, it wouldn't be taboo. That wouldn't be how our society was built. If but it there were. are lots of us who don't go for that way of living. Well, I mean, there, there's a lot, but I would argue that the percentage of polygamists history, out there are maybe small. Yeah, It's but, a much more modern concept to be monogamous. I mean, yeah, I guess that's true. But I don't know. I, I, think, I think when it comes to monogamy, when it comes to having to find one person to be intimate with, I think we still need other things in our life. But as far as an intimate partner, you only need one of those. So I think where a lot of marriages fail is what happens. They get stuck with just each other. They're not making new friends anymore. They're not going out. There's no other people in their life besides their children. And there's like I I look at me and all of my friends and the reason why I have the close circle of friends (laughs) that I do and it's because every every friend that I have brings something different into my life. You, you Justin, bring something different in my life. Matthew brings something different. Chris brings me something different. Would you say and you love all of what us? What about Kyle? Yes, 100%. Kyle. Yeah. So then that's okay. polygamous right there. <laughs> but that's my point. Because it doesn't that's... have to be sex only. And if that's the connotation of the word, then I want to correct that in okay, my question. Okay, because... Well, then I, I do not mean should we only have sexual relations with one person forever. I mean... Are we supposed to be in pairs our lives or are we supposed to be in groups no, for I our think, whole life? Okay, so with, th- with that redefining, I agree yeah. with you. I, I think we are more of a polygamist. So for you, the monogamy is, is sex. You should only have sexual relations with one person who you find. And after you find... Yeah. Well, up leading uh, yes, to yes, it, yes, it can be multiple. But yeah. once you find that special person who you choose to become a partner with, That's it. that should be your only sexual relationship. I believe so, yes. Okay. Justin, what do you think? I 100% disagree with all of that. Ooh, I love it. Um, okay. Now, Enlighten. Okay. First off, I am very happy in my relationship, and I do not desire anything else other than what I have. Right. But there are a couple of things. I mean, I've thought about this a lot in my life as well, and in my time being single and happy being that way. Yeah. Okay, so look at top predators, Okay. Lions. There is mm-hmm. one lion uh-huh. and a lot of lady lions. Yes, there is. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, and they are <laughs> functional societies. Mm-hmm. They are apex predators. Okay. And they're pack animals too, are they not? Absolutely. Okay. But at at this point there there is, you know, one male. Right. After a man and a woman are intimate, generally, generally the male is tired mm-hmm. and wants to sleep. Mm-hmm. Okay? That is not a compatibility thing. That is not compatible. The woman generally does not want to roll over and go to sleep. It's a she biological thing you're saying. She Yes. She okay. generally you know, wants to be affectionate, be touched. Okay? Mm-hmm. So um, I, I think it's very unnatural to want to be sexually monogamous. I think that we are made to have these interactions with lots of different people. Um, And I do believe that we are meant to live in communities. Yes. 
That that's for sure. We're definitely community species. I Jealousy, think we can all agree on that. No matter what you live in, is mm-hmm. a very real feeling. Okay, mm-hmm. extremely. No matter what kind of community that you live in, we all have it. And preference, no matter what kind of a community you live in, is a very real emotion. So as long as we all have something in common, jealousy and preference, I think it's very clear to see how we end up with laws that are based around preference and jealousy. But because we're prone to feel those things, wouldn't that equal monogamy as far as sexual partners are concerned? I don't think so, um, because I think what we really we we really worry that. Um, sex is going to be completely attached to emotion and that if someone has sex with somebody else, that means that they somehow feel less about you. I think if we were able to get past that, we would be able to then treat sex as more of a pleasurable thing because very few animals have sex simply for pleasure. Yeah, it's always for a purpose, right? It's to reproduce. Right, to reproduce. Yeah. And they're very adamant about it. It's very natural. And, and they don't try to young. have sex for hours and hours like humans do. Right. They, they get it done, and then it's over, and they go back to eating and hunting and shit. And I agree with that, which is why I don't think your, your lion analogy is a very good one, because lions aren't known for having sex because they enjoy it. They're known for having sex with multiple partners to be able to reproduce and grow the pack. Well, I think that... We have both of those. We are we have a desire to reproduce, uh-huh. for and sure. we have a desire to have sex for pleasure. Um, and I think that we are designed to have a lot of partners, and we're not designed to get over being jealous, and we're not designed to just accept our preferences. So well, I you see ev- just about everyone in in our society, in American society lives their life that way as a young person what do you do you you experiment you explore yourself Mm -hmm. you you find out about who you are right right that means having fun in many different ways and having sex with different people absolutely it's not everyone does it but most people do it it's very natural it's very unfair to to call somebody a bad person for wanting that now right I think there needs to be an understanding between two people. And if one person doesn't see the importance of monogamy with the other one does, there must be a compromise. And it must be a happy compromise. My boyfriend and I have a very happy compromise. I was never a monogamous person before. I didn't see the point of it. But I see how very important it is to him. And he's the most important thing to me. So I make the compromise. Yeah, the the ends justify the means. It's, exactly. Yeah. And when I'm at my point of self-love, <laughs> I was I, I the opposite of monogamous is polygamous. Polygamous. Or or, or I, is it a but the, no, the it's, promiscuous? No, no mono it's, and poly. It's polygamous, but polygamy immediately gets the first thing anyone thinks of is plural marriage. Plural yeah, marriage and and Certain religious or polyamory. Groups. Yeah, it's that's... not just about. It's not that, but that's what it's been turned into. The word has been turned into that. Right, so I. But but here's here's the thing though. So, I understand what you're saying, but when it comes to like sex and being with somebody emotionally and being intimate with them, and then making this conscious decision of I also want to go and fuck other people, right? Uh-huh. Because I believe that there's no emotion attached to that, and I just want to do it. Well, if we are a species 
that's driven to want to have a lot of sex, which is going with Matthew said, why we, we have so much sex when we're younger. Right. Then when we're most fertile. Right. Mm-hmm. So why then does it matter when you find somebody who you connect with emotionally and sex being an important part of a relationship, it's probably somebody you have really great sex with. So if you have found that person that can satisfy those sexual needs, why would there even be why would it even be a question of, oh, but I also want to go have sex with other people when you have somebody right there who can offer that for you? What's your favorite food? Pizza. Okay. This is going to be hard. I know where you're going with so this. So if you could only <laughs> eat pizza, the same pizza, every day, forever, are mm-hmm. you telling me that you would, you would never, never want bored. anything else other than pizza for the rest of your life, ever? I mean, I get what you're saying, but I just... I. I I just feel like in the case of, I get the analogy, I just think in the case of people and marriage and relationships, mm-hmm. it just doesn't apply. Well, I just I just feel like we are, because there are species out there that have evolved to be monogamous species. And there are species that eat one thing only. You're right. So they exist out there. So, right. so It's not it comes, natural for them to be polygamous and it's not natural for them to vary what they eat and that's just it so i don't feel it's natural for us to be polygamous but i believe not... there are polygamous out there but i do not believe we evolved to be polygamous i believe we are a monogamous species and that's why our society evolved in that way over time and i think the reason why we have the feelings like jealousy that really will drive people crazy sometimes is because we were evolved to feel that way for a very specific reason and that was to be a monogamous species if if we didn't if it didn't matter then there wouldn't be that stigma of jealousy that happens to 90% of the people out there that are in relationships. Well, most of the country right now is obese. Do you think we've evolved to be an obese people? Yes. No But way. it kills us. It, it kills, kills us. you when you're obese. Right. But, but I mean, like, okay, I, I get that. But what I'm saying, though, is as a society, though, we we we're hunters, right? The whole thing is we just have too much of it now. Right. So it's just in the case of relationships, it's the same reason why people get depressed when they don't find somebody to be with. They could have as many sexual partners as they want, mm-hmm. but they'll still be depressed because they want to find somebody who's going to stick by them and they can be with for the rest of their life. Yeah, because that person never got to have pizza. They only got to have all the other stuff that they didn't get to have every that they get to have every day except for pizza and pizza's their favorite thing. So my point being is, it's not, you can't, it's not like you can say that cheating on some, or you can't say, oh, cheating on somebody is wrong, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but the desire to have variance in your sexual partners is natural. Okay, that's why we accept pornography a lot of the time, mm-hmm. because you understand that this person doesn't necessarily want to cheat on you, but it's natural to want something else out of, other than your favorite food that you have every single day so they can watch porn. It's- so why, if someone says, I quit porn, or my boyfriend quit porn, so I let him go and do this with another person mm-hmm. every once in a while, as long as I know about it, how is that any less healthy than saying I accept that he's addicted to porn? Well, I'm not. I'm not arguing that there are people out there that are okay with that and have those discussions. But mm-hmm. the question was: Are we a monogamous species, or are we are are we a 
polygamous one. And mm-hmm. I don't believe we evolved to be polygamous. I think we are by nature monogamous. And I think that we evolved to be polygamous and we chose to be monogamous. Mm-hmm. I think monogamy is a exactly. societal rule that we all, in Western culture particularly, mm-hmm. in the society we know and grew up in, we have all agreed that that is the way we want to conduct ourselves. Because we have preference and because we have jealousy. And I think there's a lot of, for most people, maybe not mm-hmm. for yourself, but for a lot of people, there's a huge amount of self-control and restraint that goes into following those societal guidelines that we've laid out. Mm. But if you took away the guidelines and you told people they don't need to be strong anymore, they don't need to hold back, you can do whatever you want and society will not judge you in any way for it. Mm -hmm. I think you would see a majority percentage choose to be polygamous. And not leave their spouses. No, but they would choose to conduct their social lives in that way. I think that a lot of people would call that the word freedom they would they would try to label it with the word that is freedom and i think that once if i mean i hope i never live to see the day where all of a sudden Uh, me too can you imagine i agree with with monogamy personally right but i'm just being the devil's advocate and trying to put us into an animalistic uh, viewpoint here you know not humans but of animals almost right so i mean and the thing is this is all going to (laughs) be theoretical but, you know, I'm sure out there, maybe one day one of us can look into this. I'm sure there there's an answer to this question. Oh, I'm sure. You I'm know? sure that science has done studies and looked into it. Yeah. I'm sure that there is an answer to this question. Monogamous may be very unnatural. Or monogamy may be. I'm glad it's not. I'm glad that we were able to, to evolve psychologically as a species and overcome what may be natural. And also another little note that I just thought of here for the viewers, guys, is... At least anything I said today, I'm pretty sure you guys too, had absolutely nothing to do with a religious connotation. We weren't coming from anywhere religious today. No. We were totally putting religion aside. So once you take that variable and add it to the equation, Mm -hmm. a lot of people, millions and millions and millions of people live their lives a certain way based on rules they find in the book that they worship. But religion Mm. also never claimed to be completely natural either. It said that these are the laws of the land and these are the, and temptation does exist. I'm just saying for the viewers, don't don't misconstrue anything we said today with any kind of religious belief because Mm -hmm. it wasn't coming from that place at all. Right. Um, I'm a huge, I agree with monogamy because the book that I, I read from and worship teaches mm-hmm. um, monogamy. You're only with one person. And it's it's particularly naughty to be with mo- multiple people at the same time. So for that, because of emotional beliefs that I have, mm-hmm. I choose to conduct my life in a monogamous way. Right. But taking those totally aside, if you broke me down in nature to just butt naked with a butter knife living mm-hmm. in the forest, and there was other people doing that, I would probably be a polygamous being at that point. It's only the world around us that makes us monogamous. I want to circle back, if we could, to the do words matter aspect and talk about when people say, I love you. I think that's what I really missed out on yesterday, what I wanted Mm -hmm. to touch on. Um, Because we, I know between the three of us, we've had this conversation a lot. And I feel between the three of us, we all have extremely different uh, views on this. <laughs> and I think there's somebody, there's a there's an opinion for everyone. So um, 
Adam, I want to hear what you have to say about when you think I love you is okay, friends versus relationships, and uh, how important the word is. Well, I feel the word is very important. Um, I also feel that, like Matthew, I think I throw it around maybe a little more than I should. Uh, but to me, I, I do believe there's also a lot of different kinds of love. You know, I was... So it's hard. It's hard for me because like relationships, for example, I'm always very hesitant about using that word when I'm in a relationship because it means something very different to me when I'm in that relationship than it is when I'm just telling you guys that I love you, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's very easy for me to feel love towards a stranger that maybe I just met, but it's very hard for me to admit love with somebody that I might be in a relationship with. So what's the subtext of I love you in a relationship? What is that? What are you really saying? It's to me, it's announcing unconditional love for that person. It's telling them you could literally do anything and I would still love you for doing it. Does it mean you're the one? Does I love you mean I think you are the one? I don't think maybe the one but I think it's a commitment to see I want to find out if you are type of thing. Okay. Because I look at like my past relationships, right? And I've been probably in like four serious ones. Mm-hmm. And I have told all four of those girls that I love them. And I'd argue a couple of them I was in love with. But, you know, the first girl that I ever said that to, I'll never love anybody the same as I loved that girl. The second girl I was in a relationship with, I'll never love anybody quite the way that I loved her, and so on and so forth. So to me, there's a lot of different kinds of love. There's a lot of different people that I think we are compatible with that we could spend the rest of our lives with. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think there's also a lot of variables that take place in that. And it's something when you're in a relationship, you should be very hesitant to say to somebody. But when it comes to, like, friends and things like that, the people in my close circle um, I love. uh, But I've also stated in a podcast before that's something I I put above love a lot is loyalty. So those who I feel show me loyalty as a friend, I will automatically have, you know, uh, a love for because I I really respect that kind of stuff (laughs) when you're willing to stick by a friend. But uh, relationships, though, it's more than that. And I always try to get girls that I'm dating to understand that the reason why I'm hesitant about it is because of how strongly I feel about you. It's not the opposite. Noted. All right. That was good. Sir Matthew of the Shire. (laughs) Um, Okay. So (sighs) here we go. Okay. So I'm super duper loose with the word love. Um, but I don't think that that takes any credibility away from how I actually feel about people. Mm-hmm. I think that when I tell someone, I love you, I do actually feel that emotion and I love them. Mm-hmm. Now here's the difference. Love for me is very much a flat plane. So when I go to my cat and I say, my baby, I love you. Mm-hmm. And I go to my girlfriend and I say, my baby, I love you. It's literally the same thing. I feel the mm. same way for both creatures. Okay. I love them both. Okay? I, my life would be a sadder, emptier place without that entity. It brings me joy. 
I want to see good things happen for that entity. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, I can say that there's been one human who I've met in my life who surpassed that, who I felt a different level of emotion for, who terrible things happened. And even after that, even years and years later, I still have an emotion inside of me for that person. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm afraid that I'm mistaking the first concept of love that I said for something different. And maybe this feeling I had for only this one human ever, maybe that's really love. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So it's hard for me to say, because I've only experienced the real intense emotion one time. Mm -hmm. But in general, um, I think it's okay, personally, to say I love you as soon as you feel the emotion. Um, I think it's very sad that it has such a context context behind it, yeah, and that it opens so many metaphorical doors, yeah. Um, because it's words do hold power. Yes, I agree, but the pendulum's gone way too far in one direction with that word. That yeah. word holds way too much power, and I feel it's it's really sad to suppress such a beautiful emotion because a word has such heavy context. Yeah. That was very beautifully put. And I think, Sir Matthew of the Shire, that this is the first time we might be a hundred on something you and I. Whoa, that oh, hardly shit. ever happens. Oh my God. <laughs> hardly in sync. So I think we bastardize words. We we turn words into things that are bigger than we are, even though we're the ones saying them. Yes. Um, and. It was so funny because I started saying I love you to Bob Man <laughs> way before he was ever ready, way before. And he was really uncomfortable with that. And so what I would tell him is, look, maybe you have a hang up about this word, but I do not. Yeah. So I'm going to respect the page that you're on but you need to respect the page that I'm on and I want to say I love you. So you didn't require him to say it. I did not. You didn't make him. You I said didn't, when you're ready. Well, I didn't care if you loved me yet yeah. mutually. I cared that. that I would be able to say that, right. So it was so weird to me because I knew he loved me. I just <laughs> knew it. I, but, And he knew it too, but because he hadn't said it, I felt he felt that he was not free to love Right. And as long as you take this word and you give it so much power, you are debilitating yourself from truly allowing yourself to love. To feel the emotion. And you shouldn't, yeah. I don't think you should be stingy <coughs> with love. I think you should give out as much love as possible all the time. Mm -hmm. I think you should try to be try to feel love for somebody when you're with them. It shouldn't be difficult. If it's really hard to feel any sense of love with someone when you're dating them, when things are supposed to be good, and you're probably not in a totally great situation. Yeah. yeah. But, is, but isn't giving out love all the time spoiling people? Isn't that giving them pizza all the time? Well, you should give them pizza all the time if they want it. Yeah. yeah if but... the world was full of pizza, it'd be a much more beautiful place. <laughs> you should... I think you should... If you're looking for love, try to love. Try to love. You know, it's not like 
I think you can love before you're in a relationship because technically that's what I did. And I know it's love now. I know looking back that I was capable of loving this person before we were ever technically officially in love with each other. So it took, and, and it's crazy because once you say, I love you, it's always, I love you. There's so much I love you going on. And this I love you could have been happening so much longer. Yeah. It, wasn't but it better you got hung now up on a word. Say, yeah. You, you let this word stop you from actually feeling, believe it or not. Because once you start saying I love you, then the love just keeps pouring in and it just keeps getting richer. Well, and it feels and good better. to say those words, doesn't it? I mean, is it just me? Or like, doesn't human, don't you get a little tingle inside when you just say the words like I love you just to the wall? Doesn't it kind of do something well, inside I, of you? I think it does when it's truly meant. And that's why I said I don't think it should just be given out to like everyone. I do think there should be a context behind the word. Well, there, you know? there is context. I, I just don't that think that it should be. I mean, be... it's like if I'm if I'm telling you guys that I love you and then mm. all of a sudden we we meet a stranger, you know, that comes into the house for the first time, you know, and then I tell them I love you. That well, well, and then I'm telling you know my girlfriend that I love her. Well, at, at that point, unless there's this understanding of the context behind the word, then the word just becomes convoluted, and then it doesn't mean anything. So then, what does it truly mean when I tell you guys that I love you? If I'm just willing to say that to anybody, well, you might be somebody who loves easily. Yeah, as long as you're not lying. Now, right. I get what you're saying that if you did not feel an emotion inside, mm-hmm. and you still said X. I love you, mm-hmm. but you don't. You don't love X. You're you're cheating yourself. You're lying to yourself, and you're lying to X. Mm-hmm. That obviously, when you lie and cheat, it takes credibility away from any situation. Then you're mm-hmm. just a liar or a but, cheater. Or a cheater. Yeah. But if you truly like me, mm-hmm. I'm someone who I feel loves very easily, almost too easily, because you can love to the point of being manipulated all the time too. Right. You know what I mean? Where if you really truly love your cat and you really truly love your roommate, Mm -hmm. and you really truly love your mother, that is the same love in each one of those. That's Mm -hmm. love, love, love. But one's a cat, one's a roommate, and one's the person who gave you life. Mm -hmm. And it's a different kind of love, but I don't think that your cat is more entitled to I love you than your girlfriend is of four months that you're just not sure if it's the right time to tell her I love you. Like, if two months in, and you're still kind of new, she brings you your favorite food to mm-hmm. work, right? You never told her it was your favorite food. It was just happened to be where she was. It felt right. I love the fuck out of you right now. Like, you got in my head. You, I didn't tell you any of this. In this moment, you are perfect. And I feel love for you. I love you. Um, and I just never personally felt the need to not tell someone that. When I felt that about somebody. So. But I'm sure you've been ridiculed by people for saying that. Totally. Yes. Mm -hmm. Totally. Um, By the person that I love, actually. Yes, I'm sure. And it's just funny because not that I'm always right. But this time. (laughs) He says with a huge (laughs) smirk on his face. (laughs) But I was right again because. He did love you the whole time. It wouldn't have been different if he did say it the whole time. Now he says it all the time. And I think that we wasted a whole lot of time. And I do also want to go back real quick to Adam here that mm-hmm. 
I do fully agree and see where you're coming from. From there is a difference and a distinguishing factor between like and love. Right. You know what I mean? If you just say, I love lamp. Well, right. no, you like the lamp. You like it a lot. You're very right. into it, but you don't love it. Like, I can see where you you can overuse the word. Right. So I get where you're coming from. Oh, that. Well, I felt I like we kind of shut you down well, no, in your no, opinions well, I, there. And I, I just, didn't mean to do that. No, no. And I, and I didn't feel shut down <laughs> at all. But I mean, I just think when it comes to saying it to... Like you were saying, you know, when you're in a relationship, if you feel it, you know, say it no matter, you know, the time that you've been in there. But I just look at it as when I'm in a relationship and this is somebody I could potentially spend the the rest of my life with and make that sort of commitment with them. And that commitment is, you know, you could do anything. I'm still going to love you for it. I don't think that should just be something that is said because whether you like it or not, when you're in a relationship, that word love does carry a different context. Now there is a different connotation connected. It does with change it. things after you say the word. Exactly. You are right. So I think in those cases, one should be hesitant about it. You know, I mean, you even said, Justin, that you said, I, I love you to your boyfriend, you know, and now right now you're sure that it is love that you feel. Well, I knew then it was love that I felt. I wasn't sure if the love that I felt immediately when I met him was love. Now I'm so sure. I mean, he's the last one I'm ever going to love because this is it. Um, but <laughs> now I'm sure I really feel that way. I know you do. That's why I'm laughing. <laughs> I really feel lucky. I feel like I cracked the code. I feel like I did it right the first time, so everybody should listen to me. But anyway, whatever. Um, oh, and for all you hoochies, if Adam's ever said I love you to you, you're lucky. Do you okay, hear yeah, that? Very lucky. <laughs> so he all you hoochies, if I said day. it to you, well, you know, whatever. <laughs> All right, well, I, I would love to continue on with this conversation. Hey, this I was have, a good one today. I have really enjoyed it, but I do have to – Adam does have a day job that he has to get so to. It so does, Justin. <laughs> I'm off today. <laughs> All right, guys, thank you so much for listening to today's podcast, today's uh, second three-man podcast. Remember, you can like us on all the social media channels. Uh, remember to check out uh, both Matthew and I's vlogs on the YouTube channel. And remember, we do have a Patreon you can donate to. That's www.patreon.com forward slash Hardly Millennial. What As number is this? What number podcast is this? I want to say it's 59, but it it might be 58. Oh, my God. I, I can't wait for the next one. What about you guys? <laughs> I can't wait. You can't wait, guys. All right. Any final thoughts, Matthew? Um, we love you guys. I was going to say that. that Well, I love you guys. Is that your final thought, Justin? That's my final answer. Motherfucker. See you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Bye.